0: I do want to say, and I don't know, I see a few new faces here today, I'm glad you're here with us, but then I saw one face that I I got, it. he's going to be mad at me, they're going to be mad at me, but I have to say something about, you know when our church started, started with three elders, so it kind of helped start the church, and they're back today from Arizona sitting in the back over there, Dale and Jenny Pritchett, I see them, can we get a little bit of light, so people need to see a little bit, I'm so glad you're here, oh, Fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful joy to see you, brother, sister. Oh. This is the fruit of your guys' life, son, because the church started. Just amazing. Anyway. I've shared this story before, but I want to share it with you again. It's like I was, it was like, I was a young kid in Hawaii. And I, we had moved over there, so I was a pudgy know-it-all. And I ran afoul in school of the local bullies. And so they would chase me home. And that's how I became a long-distance runner in high school. But, but that being said, that's not about this story. The, the thing is, is I would be running home so in fear that these guys were going to get me and hurt me, and then you know my house was probably oh a mile from the school, so I was running along the beach and I get and my dad came out. Ho oh, oh, ho oh, oh, ho oh, oh. ho ho! You know what those bullies did? My dad came out mad, and when, when my dad was mad, he was like, "You, you didn't you didn't stick around him." So he came out and, I, and they just scattered. There are probably five of them, you know, chasing me home and they just scattered. And I was like, Oh, thank you dad. My dad's the best. That feeling of breaking in and making it better. And somehow life is different is what I want to talk to you about today. Because it's about resurrection change, and we're on the resurrection. And if you have been around Christianity for 10 minutes, you've heard about the resurrection. You know Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But sometimes we don't see what the Bible, this is the word of God, is helping us with in terms of how it presents what it's doing. And I feel that way this morning. We're going to cover the actual resurrection when Jesus is risen from the dead. And there are three encounters. And in each of them, Jesus breaks in. And I wonder if you trust that Jesus will break in, not in some weird way, but into your life. And that this is what matters. It's about Jesus. So I want to share that with you from John's gospel. We're in John chapter 20 and verse 10. And if you want to follow along, we'll be walking through these three encounters because Because they are things that hurt us, things that you may deal with. It's grief. It's fear. It's doubt. These are common human afflictions. And to really think that Jesus has something to say about them, in fact, does something with them. It's amazing. He's for you and for me. Okay, so let's look. The curtain's going to rise today with Mary. And I don't mean Mary, the mother of Jesus, I mean Mary Magdalene. Because we left off last time, right, with Mary was the first to the tomb, and she'd come, I don't know what for, just to grieve, because she couldn't get in. He was in a tomb with a big rock, but she came and the rock was gone. And so she ran and got Peter and John, remember, and they came and they looked. And then they all went home. This is a matter of history, right? So, so Mary saw and, and, and then she kind of passed the baton to Peter and John. And you you would think, well, now the focus is going to be on Peter and John as they go back because they're the disciples. They're the guys. They're the apostles. They're, they're the men. Instead, as the curtain comes up today, the camera stays focused on Mary. Mary Magdalene, she's a nobody. Her got seven demons cast out of her. That means she's probably like living on the street, dirty and bedraggled when Jesus interacted with her at first. And the camera's on her with this very special moment. The first time after the resurrection, Jesus is seen. It's an encounter. Here it is. Starting in verse 10. So the disciples, it says, went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, woe. sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Okay, this is interesting. This is our scene, right? She's weeping like, like Jesus wept maybe over death or she's so caught up in tears. She doesn't even really pause. We're like, whoa, angels. She doesn't. She's caught up in grief and they're like, why are you weeping? And I think that's because Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. Most glorious thing ever. She doesn't know that. But are you weeping for loss? He's not lost. It's almost this wonder in their voices. I don't think it's mocking. I think it's like, wow, your tears, why? (laughs) It's like I'm weeping because he's gone. They've taken him away. They've stolen the body. That's what we saw last time, right? That's what they're thinking. They took the body away. They stole it. She shouldn't think that. Jesus has said he's going to rise from the dead. He said it over and over. She shouldn't grieve. She should be like, wow, he's risen from the dead. So it's almost comic, but it's not comic. And uh, not if you've been around griefs, because she turns and there's, there's Jesus. We're told this. She doesn't know, right? Amazing little scene. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and, and I will take him away. Right? She doesn't recognize him. She's caught up in grief. She, she's not looking for him. She's grieving. Did you take him? Tell me where you put him. I'll take him back to where he should be. And I'm kind of imagining Mary kind of slinging the dead body of Jesus and trying to take him back to the tomb. With tears. Grief upon grief. So this happens. Jesus said to her, Mary. So she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Arama, Rabboni, which means teacher. This is amazing. A single word. Mind altering. He's alive. He's alive. Evidently she runs and she grabs him and she holds on like she's never going to let go. Teacher, her, her grief is turned to joy, right? Because Jesus said to her, hey, don't cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. What an amazing pronouncement that now the the father is the father of the disciples too and and of Mary too. So Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord and that he had said these things. To her, okay, you can go deep into all of this stuff. we could spend a week or two weeks just here, but I'll tell you what do you get the main message, right? The thing that John is laying out for you? Grief turned to joy because Jesus is there, He's really there for her. so this is the first encounter and and I, I want you to see I want you to see Jesus particularly is there for her. Like she's grieving. He could be going and just meeting with Peter and John. His first appearance is right there with Mary. That turned her grief to joy. And he says, don't cling to me now. Even better things are going to happen. I'm headed to the Father. Say, oh, Betsy, better things are happening. So she runs. She tells the disciples, which sets up the second encounter. So we got the first encounter. Say, so I get it. I get it. Of course, she thought he was dead. Now he's alive. She was grieving, but now she's not grieving anymore. I get it, Dex. Okay. What about the next one with the disciples on the evening of the day that day, the first day of the week. So that's that's the Sunday, right? The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Okay. Wait a minute. That's that's context, right? That's the state of where they're at, right? The doors were locked for fear of the Jews. What do they have? Fear. <laughs> That's my fear, right? That's the fear of the guys going to come and get him. And they had good reason to think that because they'd gone and gotten Jesus and arrested him, and they killed him and crucified him. And so, hey, they're coming for us. They came for him and killed him, and then they stole the body. Said, so, but Mary told him he was alive. Yeah, Mary's hallucinating. Grief does that to you. These Jews are going to get us. Fear of man. They're not wrong. You have heard about how they all died, right? Martyrs, most of them. The people in that room would die for the cause of Christ. The Jews would kill them. The Romans would kill them. Other people would kill them. Fear. Fear of what man can do, fear of what the government will do, fear of what enemies might do. Lock the doors. It's a rational response to real threat. The Jews are out to crush them. And all of a sudden, there's a... Oh, wait, there's not a knock at the door. No knock, right? All of a sudden, poof! Here's Jesus, because look what it says. All of it, so there, it's the same sentence. The disciples are there for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them. In a knock the door. He just appeared in the room. And said to them, peace be with you. It's amazing, right? Boom, in the midst of their fear. What happens? There's Jesus. Peace be with you. That, that's, that's Jesus with them right there. He's their peace. Peace means rightness, rightness with God, a right relationship. It's all like, oh, it's the opposite of fear, peace. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And there's an understatement. They were glad. Fear and and, and grief and uncertainty and hiding and, and into it. And unless you miss it, Jesus says it again. Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. I just love that. It's like John's making sure. Hey, you know what? Whenever it said Jesus says the exact same words multiple times in a row, it's kind of a big deal. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even I am sending you. Don't want to miss that. Mary, she's grieving. She's sent with a message of joy. Disciples, they're fearful. They're sent with a message of peace. That's the message, right? I'm, I'm sending you because I'm alive and I bring peace and rightness and settled goodness from the Father for whomever will hear. It's not some burden. Okay, you got to get this out. I'm, I'm sending you and you make sure you say it right. He actually says something really remarkable. He says, when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And, and if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. And don't get sidetracked with me on this. It's amazing. But it's a strong, strong link to receiving the gift of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. And if you won't receive it, then you're not forgiven. You can't have generic forgiveness from God. Yeah, God's a great guy. He's just going to cover everything. No, I'll tell you what. Jesus Christ died for you. And he rose from the dead. Receive it, will you? It's true. Jesus sent these ones who had the message of peace in the midst of fear. So there's no need to fear. Look, Jesus in the midst of you. Peace you have. That's the second encounter. That's number two. So really interesting, it's just looking at it kind of big picture-ish and not going super deep into themes. but saying, what's the main piece from each one? One is that Jesus brings, brings joy into grief. And, and the next one is Jesus brings peace into fear, right? Are you with me? That's okay to say, right? That's just plain. Okay, so what's the third one? Well, the third one's Thomas. You guys know Thomas. Everybody knows Thomas. He's sitting in the back. He's waving at you. I called him Doubting Thomas this morning because we know Thomas in the Bible is Doubting Thomas. And this is why, this passage right here. Because of this encounter. Look. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So when Jesus appeared and went poof in the middle of the room and just appeared in a locked room and went through walls and they rejoiced and saw him and he said, Peace to you and peace to you. And now they tell Thomas who wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Again, it's kind of reasonable. I think all these are reasonable. I think you should understand them. He's like, y'all are crazy. I don't know what you saw, but you didn't see Jesus unless I touch it, right? They're saying they saw a body. I, I saw the body wrapped in spices going to the tomb. Wishful thinking only gets you so far, my friends. Show me the scars or you don't have me, and that's called doubt. And I think doubt, doubting Thomas is real, right? And, and he was called by Jesus. He's one of Jesus' disciples. He's one of the twelve He thinks Jesus is the Messiah. But he doesn't think he's alive. So there's this. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. And all the doors were locked. Jesus came in and stood among them and said, he's stuck on this phrase, peace be with you. I just want to note a couple things. This is an exact redo, right? These are the same words. You could take this little piece and cut it out and move it back to the passage before and, and, and they're the exact. Jesus appeared in the middle and he says, peace with you. Peace be with you. Poof. Not a knock at the door. Sudden appearance with words that speak to fear. Peace be with you. I'm here. The only difference is this time, Thomas is here. He has done this specifically For Thomas, right? This is so cool. He looks at Thomas and he he says this. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. So this is particularly about unbelief and belief, right? Doubt and belief. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Yeah, that's a statement of belief. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So, so doubt. Yeah, of course, radical, radical truth that Jesus rose from the dead, that he walked through walls, that he appeared. And Thomas says, I'm not going to show me. And so Jesus comes into the doubt and with reassurance, With truth. What shoved aside Thomas's doubt, it wasn't argument or reasoning or passion or hope. It was the actual presence of Christ, right? He stands in for us all. Jesus says, how blessed when the Spirit opens your eyes and how blessed when you receive the gift and how blessed even when you believe and you don't see me, which is all of us, because we believe even though we haven't touched his hands or his side. I haven't. You haven't. If you have, I want to talk to you. We need a video. We're so blessed. That's what Jesus says. So that's the three encounters, right? That John really wants you to see, and he doesn't one after the other. It's it's grief turned to joy by the presence of Jesus. Right? It's fear turned to peace by the presence of Jesus. It's it's doubt turned into belief by the presence of Jesus. And then you see the connection, right? I hope you see the connection. It's the presence of Jesus. Like, no duh. real life Jesus. He acts, and that brings us to a really important spot to finish on. A really important thing, that if you take these, and you just looked with me, and you see what John is doing, and it's called a pattern. He does it three times. Each time there's a problem, and, and each time it gets resolved, and every time it's the actual action of Jesus. You know what that means? It's not the action of them. That's really important. Because Jesus breaks in with the truth. The truth that He's alive and that's the real answer to grief and fear and unbelief. He really truly saves. He's really truly for us and that's really truly what we're receiving. We don't what we don't do, we don't banish these struggles. How many times have you heard? Don't grieve. Heaven's coming. How many times have you heard? Don't be anxious. Get over that. Because that's our main response, Right? Take the last encounter for just for a minute. Take that one, that one where you notice the detail, right? I pointed it out. Jesus appeared to the disciples. He said, peace, peace, twice. He was for them. And then eight days later, the text says, he does it again. Here's the question. Why was the door locked? Jesus appeared to them said, Dave, I'm with you and I'm alive and no one can stop it and I'm sending you out this message of peace. Then eight days later, they're, they're still locked. That means they're still in fear. They locked the door because they're afraid someone's going to get them. Eight days later, the door's still locked. Jesus already told them, peace. Why? They didn't get over it. Jesus came again. Right? He is our peace even though we struggle. He's not after them. He's not rejecting them. He's not yelling at them. He's not disappointed in them. Our problem is we are disappointed that we aren't better. We continue to look at ourselves and our problems and we start to lose it's about him for us. You see, we hide that we struggle. We we don't have to, but because Jesus really is for us, he's not checking in to see if we're plastering on smiles. That's our problem. <laughs> We act like that's the goal. The goal is Jesus for you. The message is Jesus for you. He's at work on you. And you can rest, right? Dad appeared. Your enemies scatter. Because he came. And he's alive. I want to think about that for a minute more because I feel like it's really easy just to say that and to miss this flow because John's flow is so strong that Jesus himself came in, you see. And it was his actual presence and his actual action and the action of God at work. And now he even linked in there, if you didn't miss it, the Holy Spirit that he breathed in says, hey, this is before the Holy Spirit actually came at Pentecost. So I think it's there to make sure you make the connection that it's going to be about the Holy Spirit at work and the Holy Spirit's at work in you. This is my trust. I'm not trusting you. You shouldn't trust me. But I trust the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, I think about grief for a minute. Let's take each of these just for a minute. Think about grief. We think, hey, the resurrection is coming. You shouldn't grieve. We think you should rejoice always. I don't just think that. I preach it at you from the Bible. It's in Philippians. Rejoice how often? Occasionally. No. Rejoice always. Why? Because the news is that great. It eclipses everything. These momentary light afflictions are not worth the eternal weight of glory. I can quote the passages at you. And yet, guess what? My dad died. What did I do? I grieved. Sometimes in this world, I continue to grieve. I lose some health. I grieve. I can't walk up the stairs as fast as I used to. I grieve. My knee was hurting on the trail. I said, why, Lord? I have these. Saying, well, you actually, you. shouldn't. You should work not to. And, hey, but I'll tell you what. This is what we learn to do with grief in our culture. This is a quote from another pastor. That's why I'll give it to you. This is what we do with grief in our culture. We learn to squelch it, hide it, ignore it, repress it, deny it, numb it, medicate it, forget it, and when all else fails, judge it. And in our culture, grief eats away at an assurance or confidence like a flesh-eating spider. Take it from me, this pastor said. When I was sad and depressed about my mom dying, eventually I became sad and depressed that I was sad and depressed. Things got so bad at one point I wished myself gone. Think of all the cliches in our culture about pain. Don't be a Debbie Downer. Don't wear your heart on your sleeve. Don't bear your dirty laundry. Don't worry, be happy. These popular sayings teach us one lesson. Your grief is shameful and embarrassing. Unload it as soon as you can. Since we're calling things by their right names, let's be clear. Inside most of our pop culture cliches lurks a pit viper of judgment, coiled and ready to strike. Why are you grieving? Don't you know Jesus rose from the dead? Heaven is coming. And that same person said, then Jesus appears. And you know it's true, and this is how everything changes. All of a sudden, there's not a gush of joy, but suddenly suffering and death isn't final. The coronavirus or brain surgery or cancer or unfaithful spouses or drug addiction or alcoholism or poverty or nursing homes or your own aging and death are suddenly not final. Bearing the cross, being nailed to the cross isn't final. Suddenly there's much, much more. And it's it's not because you choose joy. Not because all these temporary things suddenly don't matter. It's because Jesus is alive. And he comes to you and he touches your heart. say, well, I'm not feeling that. It's okay. There's not no condemnation in Christ. There's a return to Christ. There's a crying out and saying, Lord, here's who I am. And guess who comes into your life and creates what he wants? Jesus does. He appeared. He's alive. So he's never appeared to me. Yeah, he's not doing that. Blessed are you who believe and don't see. That's us. That's his church. But he's got you. He's got you from the get-go and he'll break in. And I trust it. You can too. That's just grief, right? Let's talk just a minute about fear. Like there's nothing man can do to you. You because God is for you, right? But I'm still scared of death. I'm still more even scared of suffering than death. I flinch at people's perspective of me. I fear man and I fear what's happening in our culture. I can fear it all and many people do along with me. And that's wrong. I should have no fear because Jesus Christ is for me. And into that though, Actually comes peace. That's the word we have for you. That's the word of the Bible for you. Peace came. He appeared in the room miraculously when they, again and again, to continue to proclaim to them that into your wrongness of having fear when God's actually alive and for you, the reality is that you do have peace with God. Jesus, not an evaluation of how much peace I can express. I fall down all the time. Peace is there in Christ. He did it. He bought it. It's on His blood. It's on the cross. Then there's doubt. Boy, that's no question. It's so close to our heart of salvation. Do you believe enough? Because if you really doubt, then maybe you're not a Christian. My mic just went out. I think someone doesn't like that. That because that gets pokey really fast. What about your worst day? Check one is God really my God? Do I really believe? And honestly, the answer for a lot of us is I'm not sure in those moments. I'm so grateful that it didn't matter. To God, he got in there. I'm not saying there's a universalism. No way. You've got to know Christ. But I'm saying he gets in there in your life. And you're sitting here this morning about to receive communion. You're receiving the body and blood of Christ. So it's for you. And it's about his promise for you. Not about how little doubt you can express. And so you hide it away deep into your left toe. I won't talk about it. But at night... When I think about all the things that go wrong in my life and I start to doubt, do you know who comes into that? Christ does. He's for you. So the ground of belief, right, is his job to show up. And the Holy Spirit has shown up in your lives to get you here this morning. And the Holy Spirit brings in this amazing truth into your heart. And you have believed the ground of that belief isn't a measure like how much, not an amount. It's a person. Who is for you? so here 's the thing I long for you to receive this morning. Jesus is alive. He is alive today. He will conquer grief. His life will conquer fear, His life will conquer doubt, but you need to be here to hear those words. it's finished. The resurrection does change us. It changes us because the words come out that salvation's not about us, it's about Jesus. He is driving the car. He is scattering your enemies. He has you in his hand. He will not let you go. His blood covers all your sin forever, and he lives. He will bring in comfort and peace and trust because that's who he is. That's Jesus. He's alive. And we live there, and we need to hear it again. We need to encourage each other about our forgiveness because he declares you're forgiven. And we don't withhold it here because it's about Jesus. Oh, wonder that he lives forever for you and me. Joy is coming. Peace is coming. Total trust is coming. Even if you don't experience it now, I trust it because it's about him showing up. He will. Let's pray.